0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the very first or the inaugural shop talk. I'm your host Jeff Walther. I'm the chief of police for the Scottsdale Police Department, and uh, I'm excited to have you here today, uh, along with my co-host Sergeant Kevin Kwan of the new Community Engagement Section. Kevin, do you want to give a shout out and say hi?
1: How's it going?
0: Great, great. We're—I uh, tell you what, Kevin and I have been talking about this for a long time. Really, really excited to be here, and uh, this is the first podcast. From the Scottsdale Police Department, actually, in the history of the Scottsdale Police Department, and really, we have a goal here, which is to um, continue to really connect with the community and and get questions and and bring on uh, some spectacular guests to really talk about the Scottsdale Police Department, interaction with the Scottsdale Police Department, interaction with uh, our community, and then the guests will bring on their connection to Scottsdale, um, the Scottsdale Police Department. So we're really excited for this uh, very first now monthly uh, podcast that, uh, that Sergeant Kwan and I are going to do. So we're, uh, we're really excited uh, to get rolling with this.
1: Yeah, it's exactly right, Chief. Uh, we're going to be answering questions directly from the community um, that we get in from our social media platforms, um, as well as having a guest each month to uh, kind of tell us why Scottsdale is the best place to work and, and why people live here. What's so great
0: about it? Yeah, it's awesome. So we're really looking forward to that. And, uh, and our first guest for this very first podcast um, I'm excited when she when she rolls in and gets to start talking. But uh, Councilman Tammy Caputi, with Scottsdale City Council, is going to be our very first inaugural guest, and so we're we're very pleased to have her uh, on the show here in in a little while, and excited that she agreed to be uh, kind of our our first guinea pig on on our first podcast.
1: Right. And if you have any questions or comments for the chief, uh, just go ahead and send us a DM. Um, on any one of our social media platforms that are listed below. But Chief, uh, you know, before we get into the community questions, I think the public wants to know a little bit about you, who you are, where you came from, where did you start, and what brought you into law enforcement?
0: Well, I'm really not that interesting, but uh, (laughs) uh, I I came to Scottsdale uh, PD in 1994. I got hired as a patrol officer. Over the next 24 years, uh, I had a great career here. Scottsdale is an incredible place. Uh, the police departments an, a great organization, and uh, I was really blessed to to work here for 24 years. I started out as a patrol officer, then became a uh, a detective, and and after that I, I became a road sergeant, and uh, then a detective sergeant, an internal affairs sergeant. Uh, then I got promoted to lieutenant. During my time as lieutenant, I was a road lieutenant, training section lieutenant for a period of time before I got promoted to district commander, the McKellips district commander uh, for about three years, and then the downtown district commander, which downtown is an exciting place to be absolutely um, and so I was a downtown commander for for a while and then I got promoted to assistant chief I was the assistant chief over the uniform Services Bureau which is all of patrol and special operations and I was uh, I was the assistant chief for about four and a half years when my wife uh, said, hey our kids are all grown and out and doing great things with their lives and some married some kids uh, all finished school, great jobs bought their own homes and she said, let's get out. Let's get out of law enforcement. Let's get out of the valley. And so I, uh, I let Chief Rodbell and Chief Rodbell know that, hey, I'm going to retire. And he said, what do you mean you're going to retire? So I'm going to ride off into the sunset for a while. And, and so my wife and I, uh, two months after I retired, my wife and I moved out of the valley and uh, moved up to the great tiny town of uh, Alpine, Arizona, where uh, I became a volunteer uh, firefighter and went to wildland fire school, you know, went to chainsaw school and learned how to cut down trees, smoldering trees. And right. and uh, it was great. I uh, went on uh, wildfires uh, around the state last fire season. I was on the bushfire and a couple of fires up in the White Mountains and so had a had a uh, great time.
1: So it's kind of funny that you would go into retirement and go and be a firefighter? I mean it's kind of the opposite of what you did for your entire twenty four years. What what drew you to that?
0: Uh, well, police work is hard work, so I wanted to do something that was a, a little bit more laid back in my retirement profession. And so, uh, so that's what I, I give my fire brethren a lot of grief about that. That uh, yeah, I wanted a great retirement job that when I went to the fire station that I could sit in a uh, in a really nice leather recliner, play video games, eat, and uh, oh yeah, every once in a while go on a call. So, but, it was but great. those
1: calls are. Incredibly important because wildfires could go really, really quickly. And yes, yeah. Mm. But
0: so that the wildfire side was a little different than some of the other things that we did. Uh, just I, I drove the ambulance or the rescue a lot, so I, I had a great time. It was it was it really it really repri- replaced some of the lost camaraderie I had when I left my police career. Sure, absolutely. Uh, when Chief Rodbell retired or was getting ready to retire, I got a I got a phone call from our city manager Jim Thompson. He said, "Hey, uh, you know, I need you." And I said, "Great. Well, you, you need me to what? To come back and do a speech or?" A plaque presentation for Chief Rodbell's retirement, and uh, he said, "No, no, I need you to come back and be the
1: chief." So that's a that's a huge transition. Now you're fighting fires, you're using chainsaws on <laughs> trees and cutting them down. And yeah,
0: yeah it, it was a big transition. Um, but I, I got to tell you, I was so blown away, honored uh, by him calling me more than two years after I retired and, and asked me to come back to be the chief. And how could I say no? I love Scottsdale. Uh, I love the police department. I love our citizens, our residents, our business owners, the the visitors that we come here. Scottsdale is an incredibly vibrant place to be. And so when you're asked to come back and be the chief, how do you say no? And that's what my wife and I talked about is how do you say no? So It came back.
1: And coming back into the valley, I mean, you're coming into a more fast paced environment. How How have you done with that
0: transition? Uh, most of the time, pretty well. Some of the time it gets pretty exhausting, but, um, you know, had really only planned. Jim and I talked about it. I told him I'd be interested in coming back in an interim uh, capacity, but uh, as I got into it and we really started to hit the ground running, and I think we'll talk about that here in the show, three months into it, he said, hey, would you stay? And uh, right. how, could I, how could I say no? Um, just some great people and, and have some really great relationships in the city with city council, with uh, city leadership, with the people and uh, hence why Tammy's here.
1: So that's a perfect transition. Uh, let's get into a little bit of the questions from the community. Our very first question, now you talked about being here for 24 years and Chief Rod Bell was your chief at that time. And, and now that uh, our city manager asked you to come back, what are some of the programs that you that you have implemented um, that you felt were critical at, at this moment in time and that are going to relate to our future.
0: Yeah, great question. And, and thanks uh, for the community again, putting forward some of these questions because I think it really speaks to those things that are on their minds. And right. so we've got a lot of great things going on in the organization. And Chief Rodbell did some amazing work here over the 17 and a half years that he was the chief. Uh, but when you find yourself now sitting in the chief's chair, um, I think it's it's good every once in a while to have some new vision or new direction because you come in with new and fresh ideas. Sure. And so for us, there's uh, one of the big things for me is really about Communication both internal to the organization and external to the organization. So um, that is really the footprint that we're that we're moving forward with. This is a great example of that. A podcast out to connect with the community, to bring in questions, to bring in great guests um, and have conversation about policing today in Scottsdale. And so what we call the PIO office, in fact, we we'll, we often introduce you as the as Sergeant Kwan, the you know, the sergeant of the public information office. That moniker is changing and has changed now. It's the you're now the sergeant of the community engagement. Right. Um, which is an expanded role. Uh, And you've done some incredible work already in really fostering a greater communication on all of our social media platforms, which is really one of the goals. Um, Internal communication for me via a, every other month I'm doing a chief talk video and then opposite months I'm doing an ask the chief, 30 minute ask the chief, where our employees can log into a virtual meeting and ask me questions live. And so we've gotten so much great feedback from doing that. And then this is the latest iteration of that in terms of a podcast. So it's really about just enhanced communication internal to the organization and external to the organization via our community engagement section um, and then a couple others that are really big in terms of um, what our our public expects from us one of them is the new crisis response team right correct. which mm-hmm. is about really uh, how we respond to people in mental health crisis we have our police crisis intervention service which is master's level counselors that we've had in, in the Scott inside the Scottsdale Police department since 1975 I mean talk about being way ahead of the game They're an amazing group. And then we have the other component of that is we have the crisis intervention team training that we kick out and we've kicked out to 140 plus of our, uh, Uh, officers that really sets the standard for the type of training you need to deal with people who are in a mental health uh, crisis. Now, the crisis response team that we just created and just started to roll out um, is a sergeant and four detectives that will really have the lion's share of our uh, emergency committals and follow up on mental health related calls. It's Really, I call it uh, three legs to to a stool. And it's going to be the, I really believe it's going to be the model uh, for how law enforcement agencies respond to uh, our folks in, in mental health crisis. So that's really big.
1: So you talk about the model. Where did that come from? Has there been an an influx of calls for service that that we've seen in the department or where does that stem?
0: Yeah. So we get literally thousands of calls of service per year related to folks that are in mental crisis, mental health crisis. And so we looked at around the valley and around the country in terms of uh, did we have the right footprint for best practices? And so we realized that we did in a lot of areas, but there was still room for improvement for us. And so we we really uh, connect with our, our partners in the Valley, be it Phoenix PD, uh, Mesa PD, Chandler, Gilbert, Paradise Valley, uh, Tempe. We, we really connect very well with our partners in the Valley and to look at what best practices are. And, and you'll see that many of the police agencies have one component or two components. And we thought, OK, we can add a third component to this to really ramp up our game and respond appropriately. Let's be honest. Um, in today's world, you know, there are a lot of people who will say, well, you know, the police departments, they shouldn't have to respond. Respond to X, Y, or Z. Well, the reality is in our society is that we've made law enforcement the go-to. Sure, absolutely. When there is a problem, let's call the police and see if we can't figure out. So we have to evolve um, and make ourselves the experts in a lot of these areas. Yeah, it's
1: a perfect example, especially when you don't know what's going to come any day when you're on patrol. Uh, the different people absolutely. that you encounter in the different calls—it's just constantly going. So let's go ahead with our second question. This kind of relates to what, what you just talked about. Um, community member wants to know, are, are you providing free Narcan and training to every Scottsdale resident so that they can assist all unhoused people or people experiencing the state of homelessness or mental crisis or overdosing?
0: We are not. We are not providing uh, Narcan or, or training to the citizenry, uh, per se. We do. Uh, we have a great program that we started years ago where we provide Narcan and training to our officers, and the number of saves, uh, lives that we've saved, has been significant in being that initial responder. But there are a couple of reasons why we wouldn't provide that Narcan and the training to that to our citizenry. There's a li- lo- lot of liability sure. uh, around that, uh, around administering um, what is essentially a drug. Uh, and so uh, we wouldn't take that liability onto the police department for that that level of training, nor um, in, in terms of the expense, Narcan, that's, it's, it's not cheap. And think about what that would cost us in a city of 265,000 people, even if you got 10,000 people who raised their hands and said, I want to do that, it'd be significant expense to, uh, to the police department, to the city. So what I would recommend, uh, there are those private agencies out there that will provide training. Uh, they won't provide the Narcan themselves, but uh, they, they will provide some training to that. But my recommendation is to to call our Police Crisis Intervention Service, and they can provide some community resources uh, that might help uh, and actually have their number handy. Yeah. What's that number? It's 480 312 5055. If you have questions related to that or need community services or get, want to get pointed in the right direction, they're, they're really our go-to folks. Now, Chief, is that a
1: 24-7-manned telephone system, or how does that work?
0: We have uh, police crisis intervention folks that work uh, a fairly normal schedule, and then when we get into the nighttime hours, then they're on call or the later nighttime hours, they're, they're, they're on call, and the wee hours of the morning. So if you want Narcan or this, you, know, you want this training, call them during day hours. Uh, if you're in crisis, then call us and we'll get we'll get police crisis intervention services out to you
1: absolutely perfect
0: what steps will
1: you take to help make sure that officer-involved shootings it has been a major, major topic throughout the country over the last few years. What steps are you taking related to that, related to use of forces, force cases that we have, um, that they get reviewed by a civilian board? It seems to be a little bit of a push going on right now.
0: Yeah, it's actually, it's huge. Uh, there was a bill in the state legislature uh, this year um, related to officer-involved shootings and uh, greater um, investigations. And in fact, I'll talk about that here momentarily as the second part of my answer. Uh, the first part of my answer here in Scottsdale, uh, with the Scottsdale Police Department, is that we already have uh, citizens on our use of review, our use of force review board, our major incident review board, our vehicle oper- operations review board, which is really about our emergency vehicle operations review board, which is exactly about that. Emergency vehicle operations pursuits, uh, failure to yields, collisions involving a, uh, a police vehicle that is driving uh, code three or emergency lights and siren, um, and then a safe side board, which is about injury. So we have civilian representation on each and every one of those boards. In fact, our Use of Force Review Board has three uh, citizens on it, our Major Incident Review Board has four citizens on it, and our Vehicle Operations Review Board has three citizens on it. So we have that citizen uh, participation uh, in the review process. They are equal voting members with my subject matter experts, because usually Major Incident and Use of Force, we bring in subject matter experts, Use of Force, Defensive Tactics, firearms, et cetera, and legal counsel uh, onto those review boards. So we have that already, um, which is great. And and we've had that for a number of uh, all of those citizens go through a certain amount of training to understand what our policies and procedures are and, and, and how we do it. Now, officer-involved shootings, moving beyond that, as I sit on a small group of chiefs in the Valley, um, as we work toward um, what does a, a good, fair, and impartial investigation look like? And what do our citizens expect from us in Absolutely, that? Absolutely, yeah. And so what what we see through survey after survey is that our our citizens believe that the police department involved in the shooting Scott still uh Police department is involved in an officer-involved shooting. That we should not be investigating our own shooting. That an outside agency should be investigating that. We agree, and so we're in the process of putting together hopefully what will be an Arizona Bureau of Investigation, a state-run agency, uh, probably in the next two or three years, um, something like that. Uh, that that we're very interested in. In the meantime, what we're working on now collaboratively is putting together an East Valley task force. Uh, Critical incident response team or task force to, to investigate one another's officer involved shootings. So. That's kind of the beginning of that right now,
1: right? And that gives a little bit of the impartiality from a different agency coming in that are not vested in, say, their coworkers, right? I mean, that, that gives a little bit more of fairness to it. Yes, least, yeah. yes.
0: If you if you bring in an outside agency or a collaborative effort of, of detectives from different multiple outside agencies, now they're investigating our officer-involved shooting, or we are on a on a East Valley team that now we're investigating an officer-involved shooting in in Mesa. So that brings, I think. A greater degree of transparency to it when you bring outsider uninvolved third parties into
1: and at the end of the day, through the entire investigation, it will still go to the Maricopa County Attorney's Office for the decision on whether they file charges or, or handle the case. Yes, so that's correct. It's a second component that we're kind of intervening in to begin with.
0: Absolutely. Great point, Kevin, is because you'll you wind up then have a third party do the investigation or multiple third parties as a collaborative investigative body. And then you'll have another third party in the Maricopa County Attorney's Office review those findings and that investigation. So it really, I think, creates... Creates a greater degree of, uh, of transparency.
1: So I can transition into our next question, which it's going to be a good one for you to kind of address. A person kind of states, um, "Hey, there's a growing concern across the nation of police enforcement of they determine of unconstitutional laws. How does the Scottsdale PD plan to deal with these such future?"
0: I love tough questions, uh, and this one I, I view as almost a slippery slope because I got a lot of when I when I took over as the chief on December first, and w- if you remember, we were we just again hit the height of the pandemic in December and. In- January. And I got a lot of questions about enforcing um, what people believed was unconstitutional mask mandates during the pandemic. Right. And I shared with them that those were not unconstitutional, that the governor can uh, have an executive emergency order that dealt with masks and mask mandates and that had the force of law and we could enforce that. Now, obviously, in the city we, and in the police department, we want to take a, a more hands-off approach to that in terms of how we respond. And when we did respond, it was it was education, an opportunity to educate and that private businesses could could have masks. Mask mandates, that, that the governor's executive order more uh, completely uh, legal and appropriate. And so really we have to look at what does, in that question, what does an, on, what, you know, what, what is the meaning of an unconstitutional law? And so obviously police officers in, in the Valley and in the state, they raise their hands and they offer an oath to uphold the constitution, which we are obviously huge fans of. It's, right. it's an incredible, uh, incredible document. So um, we will not enforce unconstitutional laws, but we all have to come to, you know, have a, have a discussion about, because people will say, well, that law is unconstitutional. Well, it's really not. Um, And so we have to, there has to be a greater consensus and understanding of the constitution and what, what is constant, what is constitutionally protected and what's unconstitutional.
1: Right. So the actual <laughs> determination of an unconstitutional law would be from the to the judicial branch yes. correct so it wouldn't be something that we would do we would wait for the rulings or the case law that comes out for us to then go forth uh after the those uh absolutely right. talking about different laws in itself we had a question from the community about why aren't you issuing citations to california cars that are invading arizona vehicle registration and sales tax recoupment person states that there's many 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 plates parked in residential lots for months and yet there's no citations given
0: that's an interesting one um yeah, but I'm sure that there are cars, uh, you know, throughout Arizona and multiple states that are from different states. Arizona imports a great number of winter visitors, tourists that come into the state uh, for, for months on end, who, but whose primary residents are still in other states. And this this question is about California. Your primary, re- as long as your primary residence is in California, you can spend months on end here during our beautiful weather and you don't have to register your vehicle in Arizona because that's your primary residence is still in California.
1: So what? what's what does primary residence mean? We have a statute here in Arizona that kind of defines it. It's Twenty-eight two zero zero one. So without you had to full, have looked that up. I did look it up. I uh, <laughs> actually phoned a friend. I called one of our experts on, it and they kind of told me about that because I'm not going to have that off the top of my head. But um, there is full layout of what is the definition of a resident. So if you are looking to to understand what that is, that's available for right. them.
0: Right. Well, great. And that's uh, a way to support me, Sarge. That's uh, <laughs> that's very good with the actual the actual statute number. So yeah. And the other thing, the other component of that question is that uh, my folks are out there, our patrol officers are out there they actually have to have a reason to stop you they have to have reasonable suspicion or probable cause to search you, I'm sorry to stop you and to search you to search uh, you. you just, a, a car parked in a parking lot uh, with a California plate does not does not uh, fulfill either one of those, and so um, if there's a reason to, to make a traffic stop, then we determine are you a resident, are you resident of Arizona, um, et cetera. So uh, there was a, there was another component I think of that question, which uh, making sure that we're citing drivers that cause collisions. Collisions, we, correct? Yeah, we are doing that. If you if you cause a collision, you're getting a citation. So, I'm, I'm not really sure on that one, um, if there's a specific example from this particular citizen who, who wrote in, uh, if we didn't give somebody a citation, but typically if you cause a collision, we're writing a citation.
1: And most of the time, I can't speak for every single officer out there, but we understand that collisions are some of the most traumatic experiences that anybody can go through. They're very high speed. Uh, you invest a lot of money into these vehicles and now it's damaged. So there's a lot of emotion that comes yeah, with it. Definitely. I know for my sake, a a lot of the times when we we don't want to give you a citation it's it's not something that we take joy in or, or
0: and take, it's, it's expensive
1: it's really expensive but we always made sure to explain explain the citation right. why there's a citation associated to a collision and it's related to a traffic infraction it's not related to who's at fault who did what it's we're determining was there a law that was violated right in order right. to issue that citation in itself yeah the civil courts and the civil matters can deal with the rest of it but we kind of have to take our what's in our legal realm in order to talk about it when, exactly. when it happens good points so it seems to be a lot of traffic related uh issues that the citizens tend to have um this one relates to hey maybe the chief you specifically can you direct some traffic enforcement on pima road at pinnacle peak area i guess uh i haven't done the research on that but there may have been a fatal that was there yeah uh, a few months ago but the community member feels that there's still a lot of racing going on.
0: Absolutely. And they're right. There is. I actually get this question a lot and we've directed a lot of enforcement activity to Scottsdale Road and Pima Road north of the 101 because it's a really great straightaway um, with not a lot of lights in between and so we have a lot of enforcement going on out there. We have our photo radar section out there, the towers, the vans. Um, I, th- I think the last time I checked and this was uh, last week, I think our photo radar program has issued for- more than 14,000 citations and the speeds are insane. So we, yeah. so I want the our, our public to know that we recognize that and so we've increased uh, we have the photo radar towers out there now on the weekends uh, we we pull of the data and what the photo radar program is showing us is just an explosion of speeds over 90 and 100 miles an hour
1: that's incredible and so
0: and it's all over the city so any any great straightaway we're seeing a lot of a lot of very high speeds and we've had multiple fatal collisions due to to do to street racing and due to excessive speed so we are out there uh writing a lot of citations the photo enforcement section is out there uh, cranking out a lot of citations to try to get to slow uh, people to slow down uh, but it's uh it's a balancing Act, because there's a greater reality that I still have my patrol officers in all of the areas, the four different districts in the city, um, are still responding to calls for service. And in their, what we call their, uh, their free time, their available time, then we uh, then they, they conduct traffic enforcement. And then our traffic enforcement section is spending a lot of time uh, doing traffic enforcement.
1: And that's perfect that you brought that up. <clears throat> um, speaking with our traffic enforcement section, they did let us know that there is a number that the citizens of the community can call in to let us know about these type of matters. That number is four eight oh three one two cars C A R S. And that will go to a a direct uh Voicemail that our traffic enforcement session listens to and writes down major problem areas that we can get a little bit more visibility out there or do some more enforcement. So that is available for anybody that has any kind of concerns. Did you have the one written down too? I, did, you, I, I did, did have. Did you that memorize one that down. one? No, that, that one's uh, <laughs> that one's on my piece of paper here. <laughs> um, another aspect that we we learned about was, um, say you're in a community and maybe the speed limit doesn't seem right for the area. Well our traffic engineering department of the city handles those analysis on it. Correct. Mm -hmm. So you can contact them via our website, uh, going to Scottsdale EZ um, on our, on our actual website and let them know, Hey, I think there should be a speed bump here. Speed limits seem to be just a little bit too high, and they will do their
0: analysis on it as well. It's great. It's good info. I know a lot of people say, hey, can I get a roundabout? Can I, can I do uh, speed tables or speed bumps? And so typically the answer is no. <laughs> um, we
1: did have a question recently about speed traps. Oh, boy. And, and I got to let you know, uh, the city of Scottsdale does not participate in speed traps, correct?
0: Correct. We, we are not t- trying to trap anyone we we are doing speed enforcement and right. that's all about safety right and so the, the, so we, we get away from that idea of a trap. We're not right. trying to trap anybody. We're trying to monitor traffic um, to be as safe as possible because I, I hate to be so cliche. It's the old uh, adage, speed kills, and right. it really does.
1: Okay. This is our last question before we get to our special guest here. Yay, yeah, um, I'm excited. It kind of came up uh, just recently. Chief, why don't you have any complaint forms available to the public? Or seriously, are you just hindering a lawful complaint process?
0: yeah, I know that was a, uh, a big thing last week, uh, and, and I think we had a First Amendment audit. And for those in our, our uh, listening audience that don't understand what a First Amendment audit or ha- haven't heard of that, it's when um, regular citizens will come forward and videotape officers on a traffic stop or come into one of our facilities and ask uh, questions that they believe um, should be answered uh, in a certain way. And so uh, we had that recently. And, and one of those issues was about um, a First Amendment auditor asking or telling my folks that, hey, your policy says that you should have a that you have a written complaint form and that's not true our policy does not say that our policy is that we will take an internal affairs complaint or any complaint at all it can be you can call us you can go on our website and fill out a complaint uh, on, on any one of the officers uh, you can ask to speak to a sergeant and you're going to get to speak to a sergeant we we will write it down for you Um, if, you, if you're if if you have um issues where you, you you can't see as well or can't write as well well uh, one of my police aides can write it down for you. At, at a station So we want to be As open and transparent As possible uh, But we got away From a standardized form Or written complaint form Many years ago right. And opted for An online version A telephone version You can send us a letter You can send us Something in the mail You can we, we want to make it As easy as possible And if, like I said If there are issues Related to how you write Or you can't see You can't read We'll write it down for you And right. so We want to make Every opportunity available If there's a complaint There's an issue You want to get something In front of me In front of the. Inter- affairs we're going to make
1: fantastic Gee, these have been great questions from the community we look forward to having many many more in the future
0: now for the best part of the show uh we our very first guest i'm uh tremendously excited uh to welcome uh councilwoman tammy caputi to our very first show and uh tammy if you would uh, we can just kind of talk about you and uh hey, and, my uh, favorite yeah. topic <laughs> yeah but i think kevin wants to ask the first question don't you kevin i do i absolutely do <laughs>
2: of course also i'm honored to be here and being the first guest is amazing thank you so much for having me here
0: so
1: it's not every day you wake up and say you know what i want to do public service i love what it is but there's a lot of process and procedures to get into it so what really drew you to public service.
2: I have always been a person that believes that you cannot just sit on the sidelines and complain. You've got to jump in and do the work. Sure. And so to me, this made perfect sense. I really have a problem with people who throw stones from the outside. I feel like if you've got complaints about how things are working, you should join in and do what you can to change the world. And I, I know it sounds incredibly cliche, but I've always been that kind of person. I have three daughters and I really feel determined to leave them with a better world And I I also say all the time, you have to see it to be it. I really feel strongly about modeling good behavior, not just for my children, but for for everyone in our community. And I I felt that I could be a good role model, and here I am. I, I was on the development review board for three years, loved it far more than I ever expected. I originally thought that the municipal items would be boring or, you know, that it just wouldn't be exciting for me. Taking a look at building, deciding on heights and densities and, and colors and setbacks and step backs, right. but it was amazingly interesting and exciting. I got completely drawn into it, realized that I was actually changing lives from the Dias on Development Review Board. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, and decided that we needed to step up and have a bigger voice, ran for city council, and here I am.
1: So that was with the city of Scottsdale that you you did that for? and. Yes. So so Scottsdale just kind of it's always been ingrained in you, like this is the greatest place to be, right? This is the greatest <laughs> place
2: to be. I've lived here for over twenty years. I grew up in Boston. I came to Scottsdale on a vacation and I'm sure a lot of residents have the same story. Completely fell in love with it and pretty much never left. <laughs> I went back to Boston to go to graduate school and then moved right back out to my family's dismay really haven't looked back.
1: That's great. And there's no snow. Well, I guess we did have snow we a couple of years snow. ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. A couple <laughs> inches. I yeah. Think. Yeah.
1: But are you, are you glad that, I mean, our weather's a lot different, so much better.
2: <laughs> I love the weather and not just the weather, but the terrain. I mean, I say all the time you can be, you know, wake up on a Saturday morning, be out on a mountain bike in the trails, Right. 20 minutes from my house. I can be on the lake you know on Bartlett Lake on a paddleboard again 20 minutes from my house drive home change and then go downtown and have a completely different experience right. all on the same day it's amazing I'm always grateful to be here I've said it a million times it feels like I'm on a vacation every day of my life here I've never lost that feeling
0: that's oh, so fun yeah it's great well I for one you know it's gonna be my shameless plug but uh, since you you know you came to the council in January. We've just you've just been a great supporter uh, not just of the citizenry and and what we have going on in a very vibrant city, but you've also been a great supporter of the police department, public safety as a whole. And so you and I've had a, a number of uh, conversations and spent some time together. So it's one of the main reasons why I wanted to as as the as the first guest. So really appreciate all of that. Now let's get into, you know, I like to ask questions related to how you see things related to the police department. So what ex- expectations do you have of public safety, uh, kind of in the 21st century with with what's going on in the world?
2: It's a great question. First of all, the fact that you even have a community engagement section is amazing. I can't say enough good things about Thank it. Thank you. And that's what makes the Scottsdale PD different, I think. I mean, that's sort of what myself and others expect of police departments in this century, that you're going to communicate internally and externally, as you mentioned, with the citizens, that you're going to be available to them, that you're going to be... Um, a human being, right? I think a lot of people put police in this scary box. Yes. And as you mentioned, you and I have had so many conversations. To me, you're just Jeff and you're right. cool. Right. Right. <laughs>
0: you heard that I'm I'm cool. She said I'm cool.
2: Fun to hang yes, out. Yes or with whatever. A regular person, right? And I think um the community <clears throat> Does better when we have a good relationship with our police department. Agreed. Um, and I think the Scottsdale PD does a great job of that. I have an expectation that you're going to reach out to the community and that you know and develop a relationship with them, and that it's going to come back in the other direction as well. The PD just put on a orientation for the council about a week ago, and uh, that greatly exceeded my expectations. Awesome. I mean,
0: That's great to hear. You put
2: us through all of the different things that the police department is working on. Brought it down to a personal level, explained all the sorts of uh, programs that you're working on, which I think the general public would love to know about too. I've tried to post it a bit on social media, but these are great things. The more we can demystify the police department for the public, the better off everybody is. Absolutely. We're all community members.
1: Absolutely. Great. So speaking on that that topic the community members in itself what is what is the most things that you hear from our citizens just about our our police department or public safety in itself sure. in Scottsdale
2: It's a great question so I'll start with a joke which I don't usually do I'm not really a funny person <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Chief Rodbell said during a training I did many years ago that he could cut down most of the crime in the city of Scottsdale if he could just get people to close their garage doors. (laughs) That's absolutely That always resonated for me because we are very fortunate to live in a community in which we really don't have a huge amount of... Of major crime situations and so a lot of communications I get from the residents are about quality of life issues you know sure. tons of emails and calls about noisy neighbors short-term rental issues speeding traffic trash homelessness mm-hmm. I mean it, again it's it's more quality of life issues I very rarely get the calls or emails about something super serious and um that i think that probably is a challenge for your department that you have to go from taking care of all the sort of first world problems, the simple oh my gosh my neighbors being super annoying all the way over to crisis intervention, domestic violence and, and the normal more serious police issues. Totally. I you know, know.
0: I, I think it's so fascinating to me and has been for going on 27 years that we will have shootings in the downtown around some of our clubs. We'll have a homicide. We have uh, our domestic violence is up 30%. Our, our aggravated assaults are up 68%. Part 1 crimes are up significantly but that's not what you hear. That's not what uh, mm-hmm. that's not what the citizens are complaining about, um, because by and large you're, you're you're right. You know we we are a a pretty safe city, uh, but we have all of the crime, uh, those type of activities like any major city. But that's not what our citizens tend to to complain to you or to me about. It's it's about traffic. It's yeah. it's about noisy neighbors. It's about noise in the in the from coming from the clubs in the downtown. It's uh, littering. I mean, it, it's it's any it's anything. Uh, it's lately it's been um, a lot of complaints about the exploding numbers of homeless yeah. in, in in our in our city. But uh, yeah, fairly it's it's not very often that the complaints are about the major crime that does and is going on. It's it's about those quality of life issues. For me, uh, the kind of the next question is, and we kind of talked about it. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do the the council orientation um, really speaks to this question is, how do you think the events nationally um, that are going on nationally affect public safety and the city of Scottsdale locally?
2: I think that in this past year, the events that are happening nationally have elevated the conversation and the awareness of issues that we never really addressed locally. And I think that's been really important. Issues have been raised to the national level that we've never talked about before, and they have trickled all the way down to us here in Scottsdale. And the fact that, I mean, I I said as I started, you've got a community engagement section, right? We spent the day with the uh, police department and we talked about principles of policing, de-escalation, use of force, fair and impartial police training, crisis intervention. I mean, these are things most people never talked about before this year, before it was brought into the national spotlight. So now we're all very aware of it. And we're using these terms like they're everyday terms, right? And we're getting emails and uh, calls from the citizenry asking you what you're doing to mitigate... uh, you know issues of police violence and force and 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 the whole conversation has shifted all the way down to our our city level and I think it's really great back to what you were saying in the beginning it's all about communication yeah i think the most important thing for our police department is to engage with the citizens and have the citizens understand that you're here for them to engage with as well
0: you know it's i think it's so interesting and i'll i'll, I'll say something that it will i think it on its face, might sound controversial, but when I look back at the pandemic and civil unrest and social unrest, there are some good things that come out of that. We tend to, I think, uh, insulate ourselves in life and move forward without a a lot of deep and meaningful dialogue. And so when you have things like the pandemic and questions about is is this unconstitutional, uh, mask mandates, businesses being closed, school board meetings being closed down or or council being closed down during that time period, and then civil and social unrest based on behaviors of, of individual officers other places, well, that creates opportunity for us. To have great conversation, and you and I have had a number of lunch conversations where we wind up delving into some very significant issues, and that's part of the reason why we're doing this in, the, in this podcast or this or this outreach or creating new new groups within the in the organization that are about community outreach because we want the tough conversation,
2: and we want them locally. Yes. I think it's so we're doing such a better job locally of managing these conversations yes. than they are at the national. Agreed, level Agreed, right?
0: agreed. I have people who want to talk about. And they'll say, "Hey, can we meet?" I meet them. And I'll, uh, my assistant will schedule them for an hour. And I usually like to say, okay, the first five minutes, let's talk about the national issues going on in law enforcement. But after that five minutes, let's have a real honest discussion about what we're doing in the Scottsdale Police Department to make things better. Yeah. Are we perfect? And I, I'll get plenty of, of comments uh, below, you know, in, the, in a DM or whatever that say, no, you're not doing, you're I'm having this problem. Yeah. I get that. I want to know those things because I, I have a genuine desire for us to be better better, but for us to communicate better, to be more professional, yep. and those are about these hard conversations.
2: Me too. I will respond to anyone in the community that reaches out in a respectful way to me and wants to have a conversation about something complicated, Yeah. and nine times out of ten, once you chat and talk and get to know them and address their issues, it has a positive outcome. And Absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of being at the local level. You can really have these one-on-one conversations and move the needle. And I also think that it's so important that as leaders, we model this space behavior and it's easier to do at the local level. You know, yes. we have to be better. We have to show people how we can, I mean, on council, we I made this comment last night. We can sit there on the dais as seven people with seven different opinions, but we get to a consensus by the end, more or less, most of the time. Right. And <laughs> in a civil way. And, and we're really, it's really important to me that we model that behavior for our citizens and that we, and the police department does it as well. You know, it's up to us to be the leaders.
0: Well, Tammy, I think you really hit the nail on the head there. We, t- we talk a lot about, and in the past, we talked a lot about this idea about civility and civil discourse. And um, one of the hard things coming out of the pandemic and some of the social unrest from 2020 and into 2021 is I think that civil discourse is has been a casualty of the pandemic and social unrest. And so that's uh, that's one of the things that I think has been disheartening is, and, and I mentioned earlier, whether it be a school board meeting or or, or a council meeting or just in a conversation uh, we seem to have gotten away from civil discourse, and we need to come back to that. It's okay to disagree, but let's let's disagree and then share, you know, opinions on one side or the other, and see if we can't come to some type of consensus. Because the only way this is more on you than it is me, because I work for you, and uh, my job is enforcement, but your job in governance is: can we come to a consensus? Uh, can we can we find some middle ground so that we can move forward as a community and a society? And, and, and in that respect, uh, I think you're. Killing
2: it. And we're a golden rule city. I've said this so many times. It's not just words on a paper. If it's just in the general plan or, or in our city documents. That's great, but we have to live these values, too. Yes. It's so important. Yeah. I think Agreed. our motto is what? Simply better service yeah. for a world-class community. Yes. Like Let's make that happen. Let's not just talk about it.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So what are some of the challenges that you see facing the city within the next five years?
2: Oh, a really easy question. For now, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: why I'm here.
0: I
2: know. <laughs> well, you know, everyone has a different idea about this, and when I was thinking about this before coming in, I was trying to decide, you know, the typical things people were going to say. And I'm trying to think bigger because I think that's my job on council. Right. When I look out five years, I think think the biggest challenge is really competition from other cities in the valley. I feel very strongly that we are in a wonderful place in Scottsdale. We've touched upon this already. We're doing great on every possible metric, but sometimes that causes a bit of complacency. And I feel very strongly that we cannot stand still. We have to keep growing and adapting. The world's changing around us. Scottsdale's not an island. We're special, but we, we have to figure out a way to stay special and still move forward. There's a huge population influx into the valley yeah. of, in general. Mm-hmm. And so we, we really do have to figure out a way how to accommodate this growth that fits into our city without falling prey to this, okay, we all, we're all here now. We're going to close the door right? We've got to figure out a way how to move and grow into the future and still make our city Scottsdale, but but deal with all of these pressures that are going to come. Um, and we have to do it in a civil way, right? So we're always having this conversation about being a golden rule city, providing for others, having attainable housing, but they can't just be words, they have to be actions. And in order to have these things... We have to move our city forward into the future. And I think that's our biggest challenge. How do we get there? And how do we make sure that everyone's on the same page with that?
1: Right. right. I mean, she's she's been here now, you said 27, right? 27,
0: right.
2: right.
1: So I'm only at 14, and and in my entire time, I've seen an incredible change just from going to different districts, working in and working in detectives. And I I can imagine as you as council members, um, what you guys are going through as far as innovation and the different businesses that are coming in. And I mean, our downtown is so vibrant every weekend. We we love it. We love seeing people enjoying Scottsdale. It's kind of what makes us this fun destination city to come to. So for you guys in the in the city council to kind of envision it, it's it's almost impossible but you guys find these ways to innovate and bring in more and more and more so it's just been fantastic to see Change is
2: scary. Mm-hmm. Uh but we you know again we're we're looking forward. We really can't just stare at our at our feet, you know. We have to look ahead and right. Back to the why did I run for council? I'm the youngest member on council. I have three young children. I'm looking ahead. And I think it's really important that we take that long view. We just spent the last six months, our first six months on council, putting together our general plan, which is a long-term, 10 to 20-year-out vision for our city. And I think we forget (laughs) that we have to keep looking ahead. What does it look like? How do we accommodate change? How do we move forward into the future? We're not writing this plan for us. We're writing it for our kids.
1: Absolutely. And
2: we always forget that. And so I think the biggest challenge is let's not look down at the ground. Let's take a deep breath, see what our city looks like in the future and, and do the things that we need to do to get there in the most positive way. And I'm sorry, I gotta keep rambling for Absolutely, yeah.
0: <laughs> and this question
2: of sense of place comes up a lot on our council conversations. Scottsdale is a wonderful place. One of the answers I gave you a minute ago is that you can wake up in the morning, be on a mountain bike trail, you know, two hours later be downtown, having lunch in a cool hip spot. I mean, Scottsdale is awesome and and varied, and we have great open spaces. 30% of our city has been 25% preserved in perpetuity, right? We've got... Amazing desert trails to hike and to bike, and we've also got this cool, vibrant downtown scene. And we know we're in Scottsdale. People always are asking this: What happens as we grow? Will we lose our sense of place? I can't. It's hard for me to imagine that. I mean, cities can maintain their authenticity and still move into the future. When I fly back to Boston to visit, I feel like I'm in Boston, even though there are tall buildings and it's modern and. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you know you're in Boston. And when you go to London, you know you're in London. When you come to Scottsdale, you know you're in Scottsdale. It's hot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We have lots of awesome hiking trails. We have lakes. We have biking trails. We have a, a cool, vibrant city. We've got it all. It's southwestern. It's beautiful. And and it's it's modern. But it's all we also have a western feel. I, I feel that we've done a fantastic job of capturing this. And, and I look forward to seeing what the city looks like in the next several years.
0: I was ready to just stand up right there and start waving. The Scottsdale flag, right? Right? that was awesome yeah
2: i'm an ambassador for the city that's right. my job
0: all right so tammy it's been six almost six months now yep. since you since you um took the new seat so how's it been are you still what what drove you into the position is it still driving you is it what you thought it would be
2: More, I made that comment that I felt that I was changing people's lives with those silly decisions on development review board. I feel that exponentially now. It is such an amazing feeling and humbling to sit on the dais with six other people in the city, knowing that the decisions we come up with are actually going to impact people's lives. I'm I'm incredibly humbled by it. I love this job. In my in my day job, (laughs) I run my own business, and I'm used to wearing a whole bunch of different hats, jumping from one task to another another to another to another, and I've kind of gotten good at that. But I've, but I've gotten good at it, right? So it's a little bit on autopilot. Scottsdale City Council has been that to the hundredth degree. So now in my fifties here, I've got this brand new job that's in a sense the same. I'm constantly wearing a million different hats. I've got to jump from topic to topic to topic, all day long, brand new topics. I'm kind of drinking from the fire hose, trying to get up to speed, and it's endlessly fascinating to me. I mean, I can be on the phone with a resident or a fellow council member, or uh, you know, a zoning attorney or a developer or, or the city manager or the police chief at 11 at night, still worrying <laughs> right. about right, yes. still worrying about a problem, and still interested in solving it, and still thinking about it. Up late at night, how can I fix this? How can I do that? How can I be- get Get more up to speed on this particular topic so that i can make a better decision for the citizens i just it's exhausting but it's so invigorating. Yeah. I, I literally can't get enough of it. I feel like I'm just high on the awesomeness <laughs> of this job.
0: You know, it's, um, I, I'm always, I think I, I drive my almost 700 employees in the police department crazy because I'm always trying to weave in um, an idea or a leadership moment. And you just hit on one that I think is so important and is really behind a lot of your success. Uh, and that is, I think great leaders, they possess a certain level of humility. You talked about how humbling the experience has been. And so it's when we lose that humility um, that we become ineffective. And so no matter what, you know, what level you're in, I mean, a, a, a council a member of a, of a large city, a vibrant city with an international reputation or a police chief or a CEO um, of a major company, that level of bringing that level of humility, I think is important to continue to move forward as a great leader. And, and you possess that level of humility, which I think is important to move this city forward. And so uh, I'm always preaching that uh, to, to whether it be to a sergeant or supervisor, a lieutenant, a manager, a commander or a director in this organization is that you have to possess um, the requisite amount of true humility, not faux humility, but true humility to recognize that you're still on this path and on this journey, and there's a lot to learn. But I want to stand and I want to serve in council or I want to stand as the police chief and, and lead well to provide exceptional service to the, to the citizens. And so I just really hit on that when you mentioned about that humbling experience and being humble, that that humility is so important. And I, I just think that you, uh, you're kind of, you personify that, um, that idea. So thank you.
2: You're welcome. That's a great point. And I think people have a tendency to see these positions, you know, council member, police chief as being glamorous. And as we know, (laughs) it's very lonely. It's it's lonely. It's thankless. It's long, hard hours. It's very little pay, right? I mean, you've really got to love the job to want to do it. Yes.
0: Yes. So Kevin, I think you were going to, you were going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions for, uh, for Councilwoman Caputi and I, yes?
1: Yeah. So these are just some of the fun questions that we kind of want to get your take on it. So it's like, don't overthink them. They're, They're just super like, <laughs> let's get to know you a little bit better. Uh, you said you're a business owner, so I- imagine if your business was selling hot chocolate, and that's all you did. How would you do that in our summer?
0: Wow, <laughs> that went a totally different direction right? than I thought it was, was going to go. Selling hot all. chocolate. I we were going to talk about shooting. I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: How would you sell hot chocolate? How would you
1: sell hot summer? chocolate? It's kind of the one of those. Uh, it's going to melt. Or it's too hot, or what? What do we do in summer here? Is that for me, or is that I for Tammy? I think Jeff should
2: take that one. Yeah. I, I you know, I—that's a really. Yeah, let me let me say that I sell light fixtures and electrical supplies for a living, and I always joke that. You know, it's a difficult job, of course, but it's also fairly easy because who's ever going to say, you know what, we're just not going to light this building up. Right. No, no lights this time, right? Right. So hot chocolate's a little different because I'm not sure it's one of those items you have to have. Plus, I don't (laughs) drink it, so it would be a hard thing to convince someone else to.
0: Are you ready? Here's my marketing strategy. Go. Life is bitter. Get something sweet. Here's a hot chocolate. In 125.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a way, ba- he's yeah, way there's, better. Yeah,
0: there's, this. you know, the, the, you know, the, there's just such great sweetness and chocolatey goodness and marshmallows in there. The, come on, you see it. Look at, look at Starbucks or Dutch Brothers or, or Black Rock Coffee or any of these places that there's a line uh, uh, through the drive-thru. No, oh, yeah, I get it. People are getting iced coffee. i am making an ice, hot chocolate or get some sweetness today to start out your day. Yeah, We're gonna I think you're going
2: to own it. I'm yeah. thinking about, you know, yeah. Experienced Scottsdale did. They've been doing this campaign about the heat here, and it's hot. It's hot. Maybe you just own it. Like you know what? It's just hot. Let's get into. I'm telling
0: you, I got my like. uh, It's hot outside. Yeah. We're hotter. Right. Scottsdale hot chocolate.
2: I love it. (laughs) It's a dry heat. (laughs) I
1: I love the radio voice. The radio voice just really came in there and really, really run deep on there. Maybe we should
2: sell it in powder. Right. (laughs) There you go. Condensed. Exactly. That's perfect.
1: (laughs) All right. If you had, if you could have any superpower what would it be and
0: why
2: i'm gonna defer to Chief again right?
0: <laughs> so i will tell you and i'll tell the audience that uh i kind of have a leg up on this because i'm a marvel fan i, I watched all the marvel movies in chronological order and, and i uh, did an interview with a young man who was for a class at asus in the criminal justice program and he asked me this same question so uh fortunately i have <laughs> i had a Apparently, way too much time in my hands when I was uh, on the fireside that short period of time. That's right. Um, but if I could have any superpower, it would be teleportation, and not just regular teleportation from place to place. Because I'd love to say, "Hey, Leia, Kevin, Tammy, let's uh, after this podcast, let's have lunch together, and let's go have lunch in Venice and teleport to to Venice." But not only is it is place to place, it would be from time period to time period. That's awesome. So that way, I could teleport to a different time period. And, uh, like I want to be in, uh, you know, in, in Scottsdale or in Phoenix and had to have lunch in a diner in 1950.
1: Now, so. now would you hold your hands out and spin a gold ring like Dr. Strange and, and wear a cape? Because that's essentially... Why do we have to go in that direction? Oh. I can't can't oh. we
0: just all hold hands and I teleport us and then we go? That, okay. I like that. I like that. No no capes <laughs> though, no right? Ca- no capes. No capes. No capes. Moreover, no tights. No tights. We can't do tights at all. Okay.
2: All right. Well, I'm literally sitting here drawing a blank, which honestly never happens to me. <laughs> Ask the chief. I love to talk, but I will use that question as an opportunity to tell you something else about myself. Sure. The reason I can't come up with anything is because I don't watch television. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's that so could I'm be a very very, very here, good thing. <laughs> I'm
2: sitting here running through all the superheroes, going, what even is a superpower? Like I feel like I bring my superpowers to life every day, right? I'm a five foot tall petite female <laughs> trying to change the world, and my superpower is staying positive and looking forward and being my my genuine self every day. I, I always say that that's what makes me me. That's what usually attracts people to me, and and that is my superpower. And so I'm just going to keep bringing it.
1: So you're you have know, real life, and we just Kind of imagine that things, was totally so.
0: a way better, more <laughs> introspective <laughs> example than my teleportation. Because yeah. no. I like
1: regenerating powers, yeah. but <laughs> I,
0: I'll go with yours because I actually like that way now better. Now I'm actually
1: feeling
2: <laughs> poorly <laughs> about myself. I will join you in that teleported lunch any day. Are you- <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, so our last one: if you could choose one song to play every time you walked into a
0: room for the rest of your life,
1: <laughs> what song would you choose?
0: Last Call to Heaven. By the White Buffalo. Go look it up or listen to it.
2: Okay. Well, first of all, I don't want to do anything every single day for the rest <laughs> of my life because that sounds like a nightmare of Groundhog Day, which which often every day feels like. I, okay. Embarrassing, again, insight into me. Anything from the 80s.
0: Yes. Woo, the <laughs> so,
2: 80s. <laughs> embarrassing. I have all the 80s music.
0: As long as line. we get the hair bands back. Right. <laughs> right. right. Wor- Flock of seagulls. Oh, my
2: God. I work out every day. As most people who know me know, and the music playing in my ears is always embarrassing '80s music. Like That's Rat, right.
0: Motley Crue, <laughs>
2: Def Grew up Leopard. in the '80s. I can't lose it. Twisted Sister, right? <laughs> the best. Okay,
0: wait. Maybe maybe Duran Duran. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm very partial to Indigo Girls too. Uh,
0: for the audience, it's uh, Tammy and I are uh, about the same age, so yeah. Yeah, it helps. The, grew up in the '80s.
1: If you need to, you guys can look those up, just like I will later. <laughs> wait we're all the same age anything for me the white
0: buffalo anything uh yeah that's, that's my jam
1: that's great well we appreciate your time uh thank you for stopping by uh coming to our first podcast and uh if anyone has any questions again for the chief or for anything that we're doing here just make sure you check us out on social media visit us on youtube twitter and facebook at scottsdale pd and on instagram at scottsdale underscore police great
0: thank you thank you so much for for having me me. thanks kevin appreciate it and uh, we'll see you next time